1: Hello and welcome to the Best Seller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay and I'm on my own this week because this is a special mini episode of the podcast. We weren't sure if we were going to pop this at the end of a regular episode or make it its own thing. And in the end, what I thought might be a 10, 15 minute conversation turned into a wonderful half hour with the author, Andrew Chapman. So we've decided to re- release this as its own little special thing. Andrew, is the author of horror novels like Jack's Game, and he's been a longtime supporter of the podcast over the years on Patreon. Uh, A few weeks ago, he declared that he was going to write a novel in a day. Yes, you heard that correctly. A novel in a day. His target was 50,000 words in 24 hours. He decided to do it on his birthday, 12th of May 2022. And he was going to take a screenplay he'd written a few years ago called The Mask Collector and adapt that into a novel. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, that's cheating. But as you'll hear, it wasn't that simple and might have been more of a hindrance than a help. What Andrew has done is extraordinary and very much in the spirit of the bestseller experiment, though we can't quite bring ourselves to wholeheartedly recommend staying up for over 24 hours writing. So don't try this at home, kids. I hope you enjoy my chat with Andrew. We have a slightly dodgy Zoom connection. His webcam drops out at one point, which he blamed on his cat. And the sound gets a bit squishy near the end for a couple of minutes. But do persevere. I mean, Andrew did. It's the least we can all do. So do please enjoy. Andrew Chapman, welcome to the bestseller experiment. This is a very special episode chronicling basically what you did, which is writing a bestseller in a day. We're talking to you two days after it happened. Um, First of all, how the devil are you? uh how are you feeling how's how's uh i mean kate baker lots of listeners asking questions kate baker saying how's the jet lag jeff white saying have you caught up on your sleep yet you were up for 24 hours writing a novel how are you two days after the event
0: this morning is the first time i felt normal i felt like i was walking on the moon for the last two days because <laughs> <laughs> uh, as soon as we reached 9 a.m having been awake for about uh, uh 26 hours because i woke up at seven to get showered and get ready for the event anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. woke up yeah. at 9 a.m drank a bottle of wine in about 10 minutes and i'm not a big drinker so that was a shock to the system as well <laughs> 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 um we went to sleep i only managed to sleep for two and a half hours now, i don't know why that was i thought i'd be comatose for at least a day but i woke up two and a half hours after i went to sleep right. uh me and my and rachel I went and got uh, my teenager and we went to the cinema. And so it was really, I was awake for uh, two days with only two and a half hours sleep. So I, I, I remember, I mean, I look back at everything I wrote. I was editing yesterday and... I was writing. and I was thinking. I feel like I've only just added this bit. Like because I had. I'd, I just added all of it. <laughs> it just. It felt. It was so unusual consp- compared to my normal editing. But yeah. Well,
1: look, let's 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 go yeah, back to know. the beginning for people who aren't familiar with this. So Andrew is a long term listener of the podcast and a writer and a screenwriter. And you wanted to write the first draft of a novel in twenty four hours the straight. UFO well let's 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 see who let's start apportioning blame. So give us give us the background to this and what it is you you wanted to achieve.
0: Uh, well, I hadn't planned on writing the mask letter as a novel ever really. Um, uh, in fact I've, I've got lots of commitments with other books that really needed my attention rather than starting a new project and I am prone to starting a new projects. And then I was listening to your interview with Tim Sullivan and I think Mark Devoe, wondered out loud if anybody had written a book in a day and <laughs> I, I thought hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I might try that <laughs> and so yeah and uh, I yeah I think if I hadn't given myself such a short time period before between the idea and doing it I think it would have been a lot harder I think this it all happened so fast yeah the energy of the original idea was still there when it happened you know um yeah
1: so this was um the first of all i've warned you about mr d haven't i his crazy ideas i mean uh, you know here i am nearly six years later doing a podcast thanks to one of his crazy ideas um so it was just it was basically a couple of weeks between you having the idea of and and let's make this clear the mask collector was a screenplay that was already written and you hadn't intended to turn it in a novel but you thought okay i've got essentially an outline in the form of the screenplay, and you were gonna uh, you were gonna essentially convert it into a novel. Um, yeah. So uh, I've got I've got a few questions again from listeners. So Rhoda says, "How detailed an outline did you have when you started?" Amanda Forward says, "Was it like a traditional script, quite stripped back, or were there did you add lots of author notes for turning it into a novel?" Um, so, but it was a, just a straightforward screenplay, wasn't it when you started?
0: Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, just a normal screenplay. I, um, I I was tempted to go through it on the week leading up and make lots of notes, but I, I felt like that was cheating, basically. So I printed it out, I put it on my desk, and when it came to the day, I didn't even look at it because I had it open on my screen anyway. But, right. So printing it out was sort of um, pointless. But no, I mean, I'm the same as you, as, as I, I'm a pantser, and so I normally only have the beginning of the story up to the inciting incident, and then... I normally have an idea of how it's going to end and maybe one or two scenes that I'm excited to write about. And then the rest of it, um, discovering new characters and who the characters are, happens along the way. So I'm very unused to planning. I've tried outlining a novel before, but it died on me. As soon as I I was finished making up the plot, I had no interest in writing it because the fun was over for me. Mm. So um, I was was concerned that um, adapting a screenplay might be a bit too mechanical and I wouldn't enjoy it completely not the case i loved every hour of it <laughs> um, but no there were um, as far as outlines go it was probably the most structured and detailed outline you can ask for it's a complete manuscript uh, you know a uh, screenplay so yeah very detailed but no notes as far as the ad- the adaptation
1: was concerned uh kate has a question uh when did you first think about writing the mask collector so first of all Tell us about the screenplay, how it came about and and, and give us, pitch us the idea of, of The mask collector because it's a great high concept, isn't it?
0: The way it came about is quite interesting because I was writing a short horror story and it was called, it only had a working title of Halloween Horror Story or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was about a, a, a female novelist and she um, had created a new genre of fiction and so she had written this one book with this really amazing hook and it had got picked up and published and made her huge. And her superfan was living across the road from her and had created a murder house where he had taken lots of uh, murders from her books and created a thing that victims were dying in. And then she realizes what's happening, goes across the road and saves the day. Right. So this was a story that I had written. I've never published it. I was never really happy with it. But I needed to give her this book that she had written that had changed publishing right so i thought okay what well, has never been done <laughs> and so then i was typing and the idea came to me as fast as i was typing it i just wrote um uh, bank heist goes wrong when one of the hostages turns out to be a wanted serial killer there we go it's a bank heist horror <laughs> that's how the idea came about and then the thing is i i i I didn't end up finishing that short story, but that idea <laughs> stayed in my head, and I kept talking about it. To my, I worked with my dad, and I kept talking to Rachel about it, and I kept like making up this story in my head. And I was like, I think this is a film. And then you know the lockdown happened, and uh, I was at home for a couple of months. So I, I, it was my first time completing a film script, uh, and so that's why I um, wrote it as a film script. And uh, it was it was so much it, it was it was so much fun to write.
1: Yeah. Well, that, and the uh,
0: for frustrating... Yeah,
1: go on. Well, I just say to listeners, I had the pleasure of reading it and giving you feedback on it, and uh, that fun translates into the story. It's great fun to read. It's great. I think it will make an absolutely cracking film. Let's talk about the how. So you had um, you had essentially an outline, a detailed outline in the form of your screenplay, uh, but you had decided to write this in a day. Uh, you, not just any day. Your birthday as well was that. So why, like I say, you had a couple of weeks between the Tim Sullivan episode and this happening. What what did you plan ahead? What were the um what were the key things that you that you wanted to do? And why pick that date? And why pick that start time? And all of that thinking. T- t- talk us through that.
0: Well, after I heard the episode, I got home from work, and I don't remember why and what made me think of this, but I went in to see Rachel, and I said, "I know what I want to do for my birthday." And she said, oh, OK, because she didn't have any ideas. And I said, I'm going to sit at my desk for 24 hours and I'm going to
1: write a whole book. And she went, OK. <laughs> you going to go for pizza instead. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realised later that the,
0: I would be finishing on Friday the 13th, which felt right. You know? <laughs> but the, the thing was, a couple of days before I heard the, the Tim Sullivan episode, um I finished my writing for the day because I, I have to be strict with myself. So I've, I've got the book that I'm writing, the, the book that I have to focus on. And once I've got my words down for that, I let myself play with the other ideas. Let like I'm only allowed to play with other ideas if that's if the proper work is done. Right, yeah. And so I was kind of meandering around the computer, and I did I did open a word file and I started seeing if I could adapt the screenplay. Play. Right. So when I uh, it was 2 days before the episode and I had written a first chapter of it. So it was already the seed was there that like I might try this already. Um which um feels like a cheat now because the first chapter was done when I started the challenge. But um, it really helped me cuz it made me know that I could do it and that uh, awesome. I had the tone and you know the way I was going to write it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like a proof of concept I've just the to... question you asked me I tend to deeply. Well it was just well um <laughs> What other factors did you think about? So, what you you've told us about the date was what you wanted to do on your birthday. You were starting at nine a.m. Is that simply because that's the start of the working day? And did you have to book time off work and that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I normally get up at um, six a.m. for work, so I knew if I started at nine, I would get up. I would be fresh enough to start. You know, I'd be able to get up, have a shower, have a coffee, have some porridge. And I think the reason I succeeded. It's because for the two weeks leading up to it, I completely changed my diet because I eat like a slob. I drink far too much coffee, and so um, I just—I had porridge for breakfast if if I was on a weekend, you know. During the work, I didn't. Uh, I normally home at, at midday because I look after my partner. Um, I was having soup for lunch, and then in the evening, I was just having chicken and vegetables. So I did that for two weeks. I really cut back on the can of fats, rather than just being something to drink in a day, you know. And so I think when the day came, I only actually had three cups of coffee during the whole thing. Yeah. But I, my, I, my body was probably the healthiest it's been in 20 years. <laughs> I did a detox <laughs> for two weeks, and that that really, I think, helped.
1: Well, that's, that's interesting because Jeff White says, how, how, did, how on earth did you manage to stay awake working and focused for, for 24 hours? Uh, and that was some, um, I remember watching your updates on social media and you were surprised at how alert that you were and, and how eager you were to, to sort of carry on working. Uh, do you put that down to the diet?
0: I, I do. I, I genuinely think, I think it's partly the diet and partly the mania. that sort of hurt with doing it and like uh, a week before I sprained my thumb yes and so like I had my hand was killing me and my hip was hurting as well so I was thinking this is I was so worried that this was going to be a day of absolute pain and anguish and you know and there was no pain on the day my legs were fine my hips was fine my hands were fine and, but I was getting up every hour and I was having a dance around the bedroom to keep me limber so that like I didn't get stiff, which helped. Um, yeah, I don't know.
1: So uh, let's. Angela says, were there any moments where you thought this was a mistake? Was there a, a dark night of the soul moment where you thought, boy, oh boy, no, what, have I, I, what have I taken on? And how did you get through that?
0: The, it, it gradually became apparent to me that I wasn't going to be able to write the two and a half thousand words an hour, every hour consistently. And it got to a point where I was halfway through the day and I was five hours, I was 5,000 words short of where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. So I I came to the realization that 50,000 words was out of my grasp, Um, but I just kept on going. Um, And eventually I came to the end of the story. I finished the story. Um, but there was, there was a few hours where I was worried that I was going to fail, and like I just didn't have it. I just, I just, I really needed to complete it, uh, you know. But um, but in the end, like uh, there was, so there was a moment where I was quite down about it. But I I got past that, and I kept on writing, and uh, in the end, I, I think it's, I think I have to let the story dictate its length sometimes, and the story just it wasn't a a 50,000 word story like I mean I could have really padded it out I think yeah but like the I, what I, one of the things I love about that story is the pace of it mm. it's it's such a pace it, it's so fast and so much is happening I didn't want to slow it down so I'm, I kind of it, at the moment it's about 26,000 words and as I go into edit I know there are elements that need lengthening and so it'll probably be around 30,000 words when it's done after Julian has told me off that like, it's not good enough and all the rest of it, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so I, yeah, so- I was a bit down at one point, but I got through
1: it. Rhoda asked, "Did you find the writing flowed better when you were tired?" So did you get into a kind of a Zen state where you were? It was twilight. You were maybe the only person awake. It was, you know, yeah. ha- was 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 there a moment where it just it just flowed? The whole thing flowed
0: because I didn't actually get. Tired. In fact, I did try and have a power nap at one point and couldn't get to sleep. I was too wired, yeah, to sleep, and I just wasn't getting. Normally, I go to work for four or five hours and I come home and I need a nap. So I don't. I've got no idea what happened that day. I don't know why I was so alert the whole time. But with the flow thing, it was just a constant typing. Like it just, it was sort of solid the whole way. There was no rises and lows. There was no point where I was flying and no points where it dropped off. It was just constant just constant typing so
1: did weird, you run, I, I know you said you printed out the script yeah. uh beforehand and you did that first chapter did you do a reread of the script no right no. so you were you were what so when you were sort of plowing along and just typing and typing was were there any more because i you know i read scripts that i wrote maybe a year ago and go bloody i forgot all about that did you, did no, exactly. you sort of come across lots of surprises going oh yeah, I I know how forgetful I am when it comes to things
0: I've written, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I have, and so I purposefully didn't read it. This is one of the reasons I didn't go through and make notes beforehand, is because I knew that it would be a surprise because I know how bad my, bad my memory is. Mm-hmm. So and it, I think if I had read it, I would have spoiled it for myself. You know, it's like watching a film before you go to the movies to watch it. And so, yeah, I had forgotten so much of it and there were moments that really made me laugh. And I was right. like, Andy, you can't laugh at your own jokes. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah, and I was surprised because, like, in my memory, as I, I was forgetting parts of it, I was thinking, God, what if the story is actually quite boring? It's just it's just a bunch of guys in the bank running around with a serial killer loose. How interesting can that be? Right. As I was reading, I was thinking, okay, this is quite dynamic, actually. It's, it's entertaining as hell, actually. So, yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: Christopher Wells has a question. Uh, he says in terms of quality, how do you think this novel compares to others you have written at a more leisurely pace? Now of course this is first draft, vomit draft for want of a better term. You know, your <clears throat> you're just your your priority was just getting the words down. But having read it back, uh, do you feel the experience of just you know, getting it down and not going back and correcting—has that yeah. made it a better book, or or is it a bit of a bit scattergun? Um, or how do you feel about it?
0: It's definitely uh, if I'd written if I'd adapted it, say one chapter a day over the course of a few months, which would be more I think normal for me. Mm, yeah, then I think it would obviously be a far different story, a far different reading experience. Mm. And um, I mean, normally when I write my first drafts, I don't go back and read what I've written anyway. I never edit as I go. I, I write the first draft and then I go back and I do a second part. So I, I never look back and, unless I've sort of forgotten stuff. Or if I've been away from the story for a month because I got lazy, then I'll go back and I'll read a bit just to get my head back in the story. Mm-hmm. But I never rewrite as I go anyway. So that was fairly normal for yeah. me. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but I, there were, I think over the 22 hours, there were definitely moments where my imagination failed me and the writing is just here, you know, describing what's happening without much flair. Right, right. And um, so I think in the rewrite, it will uh, bring out a lot more
1: colour. We, when, when, and I know those moments that you speak of, where it just feels a bit pedestrian, and you're just kind of okay. This is first draft. Let's get, were you tempted to go back and tweak it, or is it onwards, onwards, onwards? No,
0: because I was paranoid that because I started writing, and then I checked the time, and seven hours had gone by. I was
1: like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no. So he blinked and seven hours went by excellent yeah.
0: but <laughs> when it comes to, to go back to what chris will was asked um even though i think if i had labored over it for a year it would be a a more of a masterpiece I think a part of what this story is and there is a five-page author note at the beginning which I wrote with an hour and a half to spare because I needed a break from writing fiction so I just thought I'm going to write an author note and I did that because I had I was thinking as I was going and I had a lot of stuff I wanted to write down um and I, I and I kind of want to I think more people have pre-ordered it because of the insanity of what I was doing than, than have pre-ordered it because they think it's going to be a great read. And I want to sort of <laughs> give them something as close to the energy that I had when I wrote it, when they when they read it. I want it to be more like um, something that in a novel in a freak show, you know, All people right. have gone to gaze at. through glass than than some pristine novel
1: you know fair enough that's good that's great captures the energy of of the day um let's talk about those sort of rewind a bit to those dark moments of the soul because rachel your partner was running the social media all the way through this and two things were going on one is that people were sending their love and support and encouragement but also you were creeping up the bestseller charts. How aware of that? Could you let that distract you, or did you allow yourself little moments of "woohoo"?
0: Oh, I'm very childish and excitable on a normal day. <laughs> so, like every time Rachel might like, stop me, she said she was really amazing. She would never interrupt me when I was typing. She would wait for me to go, oh, and then she'd go, "Can I quickly tell you something?" Brilliant. <laughs> and so and like one of those moments, the first one that really gave me a, a boost was Mariana Frostrop had retweeted me. And I was like, yes! <laughs> I said, that gave me a bit of a boost. And then um, and then obviously um people started pre-ordering it and it did start creeping up. And that was really exciting. It got into the top 100. Yeah. And then at one moment I stopped and Rachel was like, I just need to tell you something. I was like, okay. She was like, You're number four in the charts between Stephen King "Uh Uh and Stephen King. I went, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like James Herbert was number one and Richard Matheson was number two. (laughs) How was that?
1: How how Uh, did that feel?
0: So, so good. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I mean, those charts are funny, aren't they? Because they're like hourly. And so you don't need to sell a thousand books to beat Stephen King. You only need to sell... 15 in an hour, you know. <laughs> but, but I did make it into the hot new releases at number 1 and I stayed yes. there for 3 days.
1: Yeah. So you got 3 days. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I, I dropped I, down
0: to number 2 yesterday.
1: Oh, man, fantastic. Well, Angela Angela Nurse, I mean, we all saw that best f- seller flag and Angela Nurse asks, "How did it feel getting that best well, seller flag?"
0: I didn't get the best seller flag. I think if you're number 1 in the hot se- in the hot new releases, you don't get the flag.
1: You got on that look. There was an orange flag, Andrew. Don't diminish it. You're on the bestseller experiment. Go for it. All right, okay. All right. Listen, here's what we'll do. But agree that I got
0: the bestseller flag. But that causes you a problem because the premise of your show is can we write and release a bestseller in a year? And I did it in a day. (laughs) Well, exactly. Exactly. I mean,
1: boom, you know, this is
0: it. (laughs) I worked out um, after it was done. um, You know, the 200 word a day challenge. I did the equivalent of 125 days in Central City.
1: <laughs> wow! And all that was powering you was peanuts and and Colin, a fake Colin the Caterpillar. We got a fake one.
0: You thought it would be funny if it wasn't
1: a real <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Angela, it's Angela again. She says, how many sittings did you eat fake Colin in? Uh, uh-huh. So uh, just, just for the benefit of listeners, Colin the Caterpillar Cake, uh, me and Mr. D celebrated with that when we published Back to Reality. It's featured in Back to Reality. There's a whole, in the UK culture, Colin the Caterpillar Cake uh, is a Marks and Spencers thing, which is a kind of a posh supermarket. And it's uh, if you have a birthday in an office, people get you Colin the Caterpillar Cake, no matter what your age is. But you've got a lovely face fake one which I yep. loved uh, so uh, again how many portions did you have or is there still a bit of Colin left
0: no um, we threw his tail away in, uh, <laughs> yesterday <But laughs> I ate part of his face on the day you bit his and face
1: then... live on social media oh, I saw exactly. that yes.
0: <laughs> uh, and then we had a few pieces the next day because um, yeah it was uh, I didn't eat much on the day really so I didn't even open the peanuts I ate the biltong I ate boulder chicken and I ate some ham hock and that was it right Excellent. Yeah. Uh, um, no, the cake. But Rachel cooked me. She's only ever, in the last 20 years, she's cooked two cakes. One was two weeks ago and one was yesterday. And she made me a coffee and salted caramel cake. Oh. And it, it was, we go to this place called Molly's Den where they, they do what we think are the best cakes ever. And so mm-hmm. we go there all the time to treat ourselves. This was better than that. She's oh, found yeah. a gift for cake making. So I'm very happy. <laughs> Fantastic. So we had to throw away the tail because her cake won out.
1: <laughs> if, if nothing else comes out of this day, it's it's fantastic cakes. Um, let's talk about what you learned. And we, we, um, we got all sorts of questions from listeners. And, and Jackie Kirkham says, obviously, this isn't something you'd be able to do every day as a regular writing routine, unless you completely used up the world supply of coffee, which I'm guessing wouldn't make you all that popular. So my question is what will you be doing going forwards with your writing routine routine that us mere mortals could cheer you on with? And we've got lots of questions about what comes next. But, I mean, what have you learned? And again, Laura Shepard says, what did you learn from writing a novel in 24 days? Uh, What what were the biggest lessons learned from the day? Uh,
0: The... As far as the craft of writing, I don't think I'll learn anything at all apart from that. It's incredibly (laughs) stupid to do it in a day. But uh, personally, um, I'm one of those people where if I get home from work and I'm tired, I'll have a nap and then I get up and I'll do the dishes and I'll cook dinner and we'll we'll write this evening. And the evening comes and I think, God, I don't think I've got the imagination to write tonight. I'll I'll just do it, I'll just write a diary entry to keep my words going or whatever yeah. the most important thing i learned is that i can just switch on the computer drink a, a pint of water to you know hydrate the brain and just i know that i've got it in me to ju- to write yeah, <laughs> yeah so
1: uh, I've, I've got a pint of water most most important here. lesson i learned that i can do it right yeah Joe has a great question. Uh, Joe says, how does this ac- accomplishment change how you think about your workflow process and what your own limits are or are not? So, you know, you've sort of answered that already, but uh, does is it going to make you work differently from now on?
0: Yeah, I, it definitely
1: is. Because
0: I've got um, so many ideas for novels that I, I really want to get to. And I keep thinking to myself, well, that idea is going to be four years down the line because I've got to finish writing this book and this book before I can get to that one. Um, but now I feel like all of my ideas are more achievable because I, if I decide, if I want to, I can use instead of trying to get the novel out in six hundred to two thousand words a day. You know, when I can get down and really write, I think I'm. I, I'm. I feel empowered to write more every day. Brilliant. Um, so I think I'll get more
1: more writing done. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. People are asking what's next. Uh, Tracy Montague and Christopher Wells saying, would you do it again? Uh, would you do it again? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the, the right answer. <laughs> Paul, Paul Arduin says, if you were to repeat this feat uh what would you do differently so if anyone was to follow in your footsteps and 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 try this what advice would you give them
0: i well i i thought that adapting a screenplay was a a really intelligent thing to do because it meant that I had the whole thing and I wouldn't have to make stuff up but actually it caged me in in the end because mm-hmm. like there wasn't a whole lot of freedom to deviate because the story was so structured already. So if I were to do it again, I would have a complete outline with all of the story beats and I would have a detailed character um, and I would try and get any research done. And then I would uh, write to an outline rather than to a screenplay because then I think you'd get more in the zone of that free flow where you'd be typing faster. It was far more mechanical of a straight one-to-one adapt adaptation so I think if I was more free-flowing with a detailed outline instead of a very detailed outline that's the only thing I would change if I were going to do it again
1: cool stuff Susie Edge asks a question if you were to pass the crazy challenge baton on what would you suggest the next challenge should be and you've already sort of answered this because you answered this in the Facebook group you said I do have an idea that would involve three authors now do you want to elaborate on that or do you want to keep that under your hat for the time being
0: no, I'll, I'm happy to elaborate. So I used to live across the road from Shelley Manor, which is the house that Mary Shelley's son built for her to retire right. in, but she died before it was finished being built. And so um, her son moved into it. And Mary Shelley's buried in Bournemouth, and her husband's calcified heart is buried in Bournemouth as well. It didn't burn in the pyre. And um, I've I kind of got an idea to recreate the night that she wrote Frankenstein with Percy Shelley and Lord Byron. Now I want to get three authors together in an old manner um, and lock ourselves in there until mm. all three of us have written a complete ghost story. We're not allowed to leave until the ghost story is written. And, uh, it's a medical centre and pharmacy now. But around the corner, um, Mary Shelley's son built a private theatre and it's still open and it's run by volunteers. And we used to go there all the time watch shows, but they haven't managed to reopen after lockdown. Right. So I are trying to find out if we could get permission, lock ourselves in the theatre and write the ghost stories in there. That would, that would be in my dream world, in my pipe dream land. That's what I, my next challenge would be. But I think that would be almost impossible to arrange.
1: Well... I mean, impossible to arrange. The word impossible, I don't think, is in your vocabulary. Certainly, yeah. uh, if anyone can pull this off, you can. So do keep us posted on that. Um, just finally, you're editing the Mask Collector now. It's coming out. We're recording this 15th of May. It's due to come out, is it 31st of July? Yeah. 2022. Yep. So you're editing it now. What's the next stage? You mentioned Julian. So is Julian Barr doing a pass on uh, as an edit?
0: Yeah, he is. So I'm going to, um, I'm actually getting, we've got a new version of Word and it reads for you. It reads your writing out loud to you. So I'm listening to her read to me just to catch anything that's obviously bad. trying to get it as written as I can. I'm going to leave it for two weeks, go back to it, read it through again, get Rachel to read it. I'm going to send it to the beta readers, try and get them to give me a quick turnaround. And then I'm going to send it to Julian because I'm paying him. And so I, I'm going to send it to him last because right. he's obviously a very, very good editor. And, he's fantastic. You know, yeah. And so his his final sort of edit will be the thing that makes it polished enough so that I'm not putting out something amateurish. It's going to be uh, mistake-free and uh, very readable,
1: I hope. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Well, folks, we're going to put a... Uh, the, oh, you'll find all sorts of links in the show notes where you can pre-order this and discover more about Andrew. Oh, a couple of final questions. Uh, one from Robin Sarti. Where can I get a Rachel for constant cheering publicity and cake making? And Jeff White asks: what gifts is Andrew going to shower on Rachel Howes for her amazing support? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Rachel has been absolutely amazing. Uh, we often talk about you know, the partners in our lives who support us. But I think Rachel went above and beyond there. Uh, so, yes. what She went so
0: far above and beyond. I mean, for most people listening probably won't know this, but she has fibromyalgia and so she's in pain all the time. Yeah. And so, believe me, it was she suffered for me that day. And it was she was amazing and I tried to keep, I like, convinced her to go to sleep once and she managed to sleep for two hours, but her internal alarm clock just went off and she was like, no, I can't sleep. I have to help you. She was in a lot of pain. And so what she did for me on that day, unbelievable. Mm.
1: She's amazing. No, so she, amazing. Certainly is. she certainly is. And a writer herself, folks. So check out, yeah. again, I'll put links to Rachel's stuff in the show notes so you can you can check that out. Andrew, thank you so much for yeah. taking us through this. It is no an, right. an astonishing achievement. Uh, a one-off, I think. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> but it is amazing. Um, and I can't Which wait to there? read. Hey, there she is. <laughs> Weary your ears burning.
0: <laughs> no! I
1: just thought I' come and say hello <laughs> uh, I'm just wrapping up actually so yeah look folks you'll see on the video and you can probably hear Rachel on the audio as well she's here uh it is an, an amazing achievement I cannot wait I mean I love reading the screenplay I can't wait to read the finished book and fingers crossed that on publication day we maybe get that best f- seller flag again let's oh, uh no. let's keep banging the drum so yeah.
0: everybody get out there and pre-order it
1: Yeah, go for it. (laughs) So, Andrew and Rachel, thank you so much uh, for speaking to us. And until next time, happy writing, but take your time. Pace yourself. Pace yourself. (laughs) (laughs)